This podcast features adults using adult language, but you know, you got to grow up sometime. Hey everyone, you know what it's time for? Swans Crossing! Enjoy texting with Drunk Nathan late at night. <laughs> I did, I did. Drunk Nathan is lots of fun. It has very strong feelings, Drunk Nathan, <laughs> and, and some good ideas as well. Yeah, well, a lot of a lot of the best ideas came from Courtney, who was <laughs> sitting next to me for some of it. Particularly the the idea about having Stacey Mosley and Eddie Robinson do a podcast on our podcast as a retrospective <laughs> of our podcast. So good. It's getting so meta. Oh, wow. Well, let's see here. We should probably get right into it. This has got to grow up sometime a Swan's Crossing retrospective, and I'm Libby Grant. I'm Nathan Kessler-Jeffrey. And we watched episode 33. We are now over halfway through the entire series. How do you feel, Nathan? Exhausted. (laughs) Can you believe we've been doing this for, not what is it, 10 months now? Something like that? Do you... So one of my favorite podcasts is My Brother, My Brother, and Me. And they, those idiots do a annual podcast every year and have for, I think, almost a decade now called Till Death Do Us Blart, which is they rewatch Paul Blart 2 every year around Thanksgiving and release the episode on Thanksgiving Day. And this last one was a real banger, but I am starting, like, I can't imagine, like, given given how exhausted I am watching new material every week from this show from 1992, I cannot imagine what it's like <laughs> to rewatch Paul Blart Mall Cop 2 every year for forever. I kind of love that that's their Thanksgiving tradition, though. I mean... <sighs> You know, most people have, if it's around the holiday season, they're going to be watching It's a Wonderful Life or whatever. But like, Paul Blart too. It's a choice. Right? And I respect it. Yeah. One of them watched it in French this year. (laughs) Just, Just to get some sort of change. That's a good way to shake it up. Watch the dubs. (laughs) Okay. Anyway, what are we doing? We're doing our podcast. Yeah, we sure are. Um, why don't we review your predictions from last Please. time? Here we go. You predicted the hair dye job was going to go extremely badly. So badly. <laughs> you predicted that Garrett was going to hate the dye job if Sydney liked it and vice versa. I think I would say that is correct. Yeah, you got and, and one could make an argument that the dye job did in fact go very badly, even if it's not, you know, the dye job itself. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think you you got both of those. All right. It was a it was a form of badness. You predicted that Billy and Mila would continue to flirt all the way through the Friday event, which is of course the Nudebrank benefit, where things would go badly for them, or so you hoped. So we would see lots of Billy in this episode, perhaps a date at Swan's Cafe. That did not happen. No, no Billy whatsoever. Not exactly. 
Uh, you predicted that Owen would not realize what was going on between Mila and Billy. Rationalified. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you th- thought there would be more Captain Walker or the Countess talking excited excitedly about the benefit. Sadly, no. Nothing. You thought there would be more of the Baldy creeping on Glory and more about the poetry notebook. I would say, I mean, there was more Baldy creeping. So that's probably a yes. I'll give myself 30% on that one. <laughs> <laughs> so we're 2.33 yeah, right now. <laughs> and you, you also, this is written in my predictions. I don't know exactly how this works out, but what's going on with Ralph and Mr. Han? Are they in love? None of them in this episode, but you're still thinking about them. Yep. <laughs> so that, I don't know. I mean, that were you still thinking about Mr. Ton and Ralph? I, well, I am now, now that I remember that prediction. <laughs> thinking, thinking back to that glorious scene in episode 32. Love that scene. Oh my gosh, it's so good. Are we the smartest men in Swan's Crossing? Yes, we are! <laughs> so, uh, so let's talk about the thumbnail, because... Yeah. On the ShoutFactory.tv thumbnail for episode 33, Callie and Jimmy are on lounge chairs covered in blue and white cushions, so I presumed they were at the Swans Club. I thought, like, on first glance that there was, like, sand underneath them, and I was like, are they at the beach? What is happening? Uh, But no, they're at the Swans Club. Jimmy is wearing the same stupid Harley-adjacent t-shirt he wears all the time because he used to work at Lee Myers Transmissions or whatever. He is, In the thumbnail, he is looking at her while she gazes into the sky and plays with something on her shirt. Maybe it's a necklace. It seems like he's really working hard to listen and get back in her good graces after being such a doofus with Sophia. That was what I, That's what I gathered from the thumbnail. Well, we open on the leader of the Baldies in his red room, he is stroking the phrenology bust, and he's on the phone with someone. And he has inexplicably developed a very German Sigmund Freud-style accent. His accent is chameleonic. It changes as you needed. Seems the ear doctor? You have seen him? Yes? Yes. He wants to, whoever he's talking to, he wants to know if they've been to the ear doctor. And uh, then do you want to tell us what happens after that, Nathan? Because I know you were very excited about it while you were drunkenly texting me. I was so delighted we cut from the baldy oddly touching the phrenology head to a a bird's nest moving in some bushes the the surveillance baldy has covered the top of his head in a bird's nest with robin blue eggs in it and he is essentially wearing like a cowl of leaves like a medieval cowl of scale mail except it's leaves it's it's like it's like a leaf wimple if he were a nun. Yeah, he, <laughs> a wimple of foliage. He has. I do have to say, this is one of the best ongoing gags that I have seen in Swan's Crossing because the guy's like, "Have you seen the ear doctor?" What? <laughs> it is good. Well, he asks if he should continue to investigate or eliminate, and he sounds very excited about elimination, which is. Uh, not a sentence I probably should have said. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, the more I think about it, the less you should have said it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's how most things are in my life. <laughs> uh, the, the head baldy, the, literally the head baldy with the phrenology head, says <laughs> he doesn't want his agent to jump the gun, but assures him that there will come a time for elimination. I mean, there is always a time for elimination. <laughs> 
usually after I've had my cup of coffee in the morning. While this conversation between the two Baldies is happening, the, the lead Baldy keeps like rubbing a spot on the phrenology head on the left-hand side, kind of between the temple and the ear, and then rubbing the same spot on his own head. It's so weird. Yeah, like he's checking himself for uh, fortuitous bumps. It's it's just not dealt with at all. It's not. It's very, I mean, you just have to know what phrenology is to understand what is going on there in that scene. It's very odd. Anyway, he seems very pleased with whatever bump he has found on his own head. He asks if the other agent's cover is secure, and the agent Baldy says it's very secure, and the pam- camera pans back to show the bird nest among the bushes in case you didn't get what was going on there. It's so good. I Like, as an opening scene for an episode, this one straight up hooked me. So stinking <laughs> good. You were in. Oh, in, in like Flynn. Okay, so we cut over to Mila's house where they're about to unveil, quote, the real Sandy Swan in her hair color. And as Sydney starts counting and removing the towel on the hair, we cut to... Oh yeah, it's the creepy alley behind the tool and die where Jimmy and Callie are walking together. They've come back from the hardware store where they could not find the drill bits they needed and they realize the door to the shop is still locked. Now, pause for just a moment because it's not just that they haven't found the drill bits that they've needed. I think they did find the drill bits that they needed eventually. It's that they have been to three hardware stores. Now, this is going to become important later when we find out how long they've been gone. To be fair, we have two hardware stores in town here, and we can cover both of them in that time frame, but how big is Swan's Crossing? I mean, our town is really tiny. Our town is extremely tiny. We're going to get to it. because Yeah, we'll get to it. Yeah. yeah. So, Callie gets really agitated that, you know, she can't get into the tool and die. Jimmy doesn't seem to think that it's a big deal. And there's this very weird interaction where Jimmy's like, when your hatch is locked on the sub, does it mean you're up to no good? And Callie, like, jumps down his throat, like, don't you ever compare me with Barrick. I know, I love that moment, and and we know, I mean, that line probably would have carried a lot more weight if we'd had a season two of Swan's Crossing, because remember from our interview with Stacey Mosley, she said that in season two, the viewer was supposed to find out that Callie's dad was, like, somehow secretly involved with a shadowy organization or like a plan that somehow tied into whatever the Baldies were up to. So maybe Callie knew a little bit about that. And she's trying to be like, don't, uh, I'm not doing anything shifty when she knows her family is shifty. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, anyway, we cut from there to the theme song. Uh- oh, wait, hold on. Before we, before we go to the theme song, I just have to point out Jimmy is just totally playing it cool here. He's like, whatever. Barrick is still taking a nap. But one thing neither one of them notices or comments on is that the shop door is padlocked from the outside. So how how is Beric inside taking a nap? How did he do this? Did he bilocate? <laughs> what is happening? That's a very good question. Maybe he is locked inside. Someone has locked him inside the tool and die. That would be cool. Yeah, that would be more interesting than anything that happens in this episode. Other than the other, other than the bird's nest baldy. We cut from there to the theme song. And I want it noted that I have started watching these at one one and a quarter speed. Uh, and I have to say that it really helps the theme song in particular to be just a little bit faster. They are jamming out hard 
and quickly. Like the dance is just so much more intense at one and a quarter speed. Totally going to do that next time. We cut back to the surveillance baldy who pulls up his little walkie-talkie to his mouth and goes, as they say in this barbaric country, bye-bye. Damn it, that should have been our sign-off to every single episode. As they say in this barbaric country, bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs> uh, then a very fake-sounding hawk noise happens, and he flinches in fear, and we cut to Sandy with her hair all wet. Now, here's the thing. The hawk noise, I think, is supposed to be Sandy screaming at her hair color. <laughs> I don't think that's accurate, but I like it. That's what, that is very clearly to me the indication that is being given by the editing of this episode. <laughs> I like the idea of Sandy screaming like a hawk when she is agitated. I, that is now my headcanon. That's just what Sandy does. Can you pull that sound clip and insert it in here so that people can understand what we're talking about? Boy, can I check this out? <laughs> Obviously, Sandy screaming is all I'm saying. <laughs> well, Sandy's hair is brown now. Sydney dyed it while, you know, telling her that she was going to just tone down the orange. Sydney is devastated because she so desperately wanted to be a blonde and win back Owen's affection. Sandy is. Sandy is. Sandy. Yeah, whatever. Hey, listen, it's your first time. I've done it like 20 times. <laughs> Well, Mila feels really guilty because she didn't know the dye was going to make her hair a color she didn't want. And she tries to make Sandy feel better about the look. She's like, oh, it actually looks really good on you and yada yada. But it's not working and Sandy runs off sobbing. With the hair scarf. This hair scarf, which is apparently extremely important to Sydney. Yes. After she has fled, Mila kind of bitches Sydney out a little bit for doing something so mean, which good for her, she should. And Mila says, you didn't even get permission. And then Sydney goes permission mila 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 what are you still a child what the fuck sydney yes yes you are both still children and yes you should get permission in general when touching another person's body in any way yeah uh, you can't modify someone else without their permission yeah <laughs> it's a basic rule of humanity right right that's that's how that's how human rights work mila, as mila's getting on sydney's case she sydney very deftly and quickly manages to shift the conversation to Billy Gunn, spots the photo that Billy gave to Mila, and they have this like weird bonding moment over doing things that they want to do without asking permission, like Mila did when she hung out with Billy. And uh, Sydney, Sydney is very happy because Mila isn't talking about Garrett anymore. She doesn't like him anymore. And they share a laugh like rich girls do. <laughs> uh, we cut back over to Jimmy and Callie where he is stopping her from uh, continuously pounding on the door of the tool and die. And he says he wants to save her strength for the motor and the re revolving stage. And it was at this point that I had to ask myself, if they're working on the motor and revolving stage, are the drill bits for drilling into the motor? Because... As a person who has drilled through metal, that's not something teenagers should do unsupervised. No, it's really not. It's quite dangerous. Yeah. Jimmy seizes the moment. He mentions that, well, now we can't work this afternoon. We've got this afternoon to ourselves. And Callie adds, with nothing to do, Jimmy smirks and says, want to do it together? <laughs> she smirks back and goes, why not? And this was this was also the point at which I texted you the say more right now me. 
Now, this is also the scene in which they note that they have been searching for these drill bits for three hours. Three hours. (laughs) Also, they left their bikes inside the shop. So they've been walking all around town from hardware store to hardware store for three hours. Now, let me, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, criticize the the vast fictional tapestry that has been woven by Swan's Crossing. I really don't. But can, let's pretend for just a second that you are in search of drill bits and I am a hardware store employee and you want to find the drill bits. Okay? Okay. Go. Mm-hmm. Uh, excuse me. Yes. Can you can you tell me where the drill bits are? We don't have any. Oh, okay. Thanks. I'm going to try the other hardware store. Right? Yeah. It took less than 30 seconds. <laughs> I mean, I can kind of see Jimmy being the sort of guy who will not ask for help with anything. So maybe he dragged Callie all over Ace Hardware looking in every single aisle for the drill bits they needed. And then he's like, we go to walk across town to Brown's Hardware. Like, oh my god. And she's like, just ask someone. And he's like, no, I can find it. God, do it. Well, we cut to the set of the booth porch. We can see Garrett through the window. It looks like he's folding a blanket or something. He's like on the inside of the house. But he drops whatever he's doing and runs outside yelling, hey, stop right there to someone whom we never see. And I, Well, we do see them eventually. And, and literally when this happened and I realized we were cutting to commercial, I was like, this is not the Baldy. The cut to commercial and the the like ominous music is trying to make me think that it's the Baldy, like he's seen the Baldy prowling around their house. But there is no way, there is no way on earth that this could ever happen. <laughs> yeah, because we come back from commercial and Sandy's walking up to the porch. Here's the thing, though. I think it was supposed to be that he saw the Baldy or someone lurking in the bushes yelled at them as they ran off, and then Sandy happened to be walking up at that moment. But, I mean, Sandy comes from exactly where he's staring, so whoever was running off would have had to go right past her, and she doesn't react. She's not like, wow, who was that? It's just, it's a mess. No, no, I think what happens is is that Garrett sees Sandy walking on the street, runs out to the edge of his porch, and says, hey, stop right there! To, like, attract Sandy? Yeah. To, because oh, maybe so. I mean, there's nothing that women love more, I understand, than being yelled at as they're walking on the street. That's correct. We love being accosted. Yeah. yeah. Aggressively <laughs> accosted. Well, she comes moping over. She has the scarf tied around her hair again. Garrett asks what happened because her hair is brown now. No, no, no. What he actually says is, what happened? You're brown. <laughs> God, that is, generally speaking, in a place as waspy as Swan's Crossing, worth remarking on. Oh my gosh, this is like so terrible. Sandy explains what happened. Garrett wants to know why she lets those other girls walk all over her. And there is a, there is a brief, a very brief moment where he seems actually concerned. Yeah, yeah, he does, like, genuinely seem, like, frustrated on Sandy's behalf. And he's like, why? You gotta stand up to them. But, like, here's the thing. Garrett is the meanest mean girl of all in town. It's just that he's a boy. Like, he is he's just as, he's ten times more awful to everyone <laughs> than Sydney and Mila were to Sandy. It's just, 
Garrett, I don't know. 100%. 100%. He asked if Mila mentioned him. Uh, she explains that all she ever talks about these days is Billy Gunn. Tells him about the picture. And then Garrett sits down with the confidence that can only be achieved by mediocre white men and says, her mother will never give her permission to see him. <laughs> it's a good moment. He draws Sandy more firmly into his schemes by flattering her new look with the brown hair. And as soon as she starts to smile dopely at him, he reels her in and asks her for a small favor. She nods and we cut to uh, Sydney and Mila. They're trying to figure out wardrobe for the Nudebrank benefit. And Sydney asks if Mila's going to invite Billy, which opens up one of my favorite scenes. I mean, this is this is a good episode, y'all. This this one is very good. Mila's all like equivocating like she doesn't want to talk to Billy. So Mila so Mila and Sydney decide to role play the phone conversation. Yes. Sydney dons a blonde wig and makes Mila attempt to like pretend like she's actually calling Billy Gunn. Sydney's playing the role of Billy Gunn. Her attempts at a British accent are an absolute travesty, but to be fair, I think her attempts at a British accent are better than Billy Gunn's attempts at a British accent. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. <laughs> Sydney is doing the accent trying to imitate Billy's walk, everything. And as soon as Mila, like, role-plays the phone call, the initial conversation, the Sydney right out the gate, it's your place or mine. You're ha you have to be prepared. He's very mature. And I was like, yeah, you have to be prepared to handle this pedophile you're calling to invite to an event, Mila. Yes, he is very mature. He will try to have sex with you. Run the other way. Yeah. Get out of there. Uh, Mila does so bad at this roleplay phone call that Sydney threatens to call Billy herself. And then they roleplay how Mila would introduce Billy to the Countess. And that is extremely funny. It's great. It's so awesome. So Sydney puts on this huge straw hat, easily the biggest 90s girl hat we have yet encountered in this show. In a, in a show of big 90s girl hats. Yes. And props to Sarah Michelle Geller. She does a really convincing approximation of the Countess's mannerisms. It's pretty funny. So she says, Billy Gunn, isn't he the one who was arrested for smashing a guitar over some poor guy's head? Mila is quick to argue that, well, he wasn't convicted and it was an old guitar and it was Jack Goldbrick's head. Jack Goldbrick! <laughs> Do we get more of Jack Goldbrick? Uh, I honestly can't remember. I think we might have one more scene where he appears. Oh, I hope so. I love also, him so much. I, I do too. And I'm not 100% sure about this, so please don't take this as gospel. But I think the dude who plays Jack Goldbrick is Ned Candle, the director. Oh, I'm nice. not 100% sure, though. So Billy Gunn did actually assault someone. And in fact, it was Mila's agent. And he got off because he's rich. Yeah. <laughs> Great. <laughs> this is very funny, apparently, and they're giggling tremendously when Nancy walks in from the elevator like she owns the place and this isn't Mila's bedroom. Right. She's wearing her junior businesswoman attire. She wants to know it's so funny, but Sydney says it's complicated, and Nancy says, everything's complicated lately. What's with Garrett and Sandy? This instantly uh, makes Sydney's hackles rise as Nancy describes what's going on there. It should be noted at, that Mila at some point puts Sydney's blonde wig on one of her teddy bears and proceeds to hold it for the rest of the scene. 
<laughs> Got to do something with those props, right? Right, that's right. <laughs> so Nancy mentions that she was uh, lurking outside of Garrett's house and saw him and Sandy talking together. And uh, when Sydney asks what they were talking about, Nancy says defensively, do I look like a snoop? Was it Nancy who Garrett chased out of the bushes? <laughs> uh-huh. One of, one of my favorite Nancy lines in this section is, Sandy's so far down on the social ladder, she's hardly visible. She could disappear and no one would notice. Uh, Nancy just thinks it was all so odd because Garrett seemed genuinely interested in Sandy while she was lurking in the bushes spying on them. And at mention of him being genuinely interested, Sydney stares into the middle distance. And then immediately jumps up to leave. Yeah, because Nancy says, what do you think? Does Garrett know something about Sandy that no one else does? And Sydney's like, I gotta go. <laughs> yeah. So what happens is Sydney leaves through the elevator, followed by Nancy, sort of like, and Mila walks halfway up there. And the thing that I love about this shot is that no one's face is visible for a good 10 seconds. Like, they could have moved the camera to get the performances of the actors, but no, it's just shots of the actors' patooties for, like, 10 (laughs) seconds. Thank you for using the word patootie. Yeah, you're welcome. Well, I just... My day. You're welcome. So, we cut to the pool, which is surprisingly empty. Oh, wait, no, before that happens, the phone rings. (laughs) Mila goes over and answers it. It's Sandy. Yep. She uh, she wants to, uh, first of all, Mila immediately apologizes about the hair color thing because she didn't know. Uh, she offers to take Sandy for a soda and says, I literally played this back like two times. It'll be my treat. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be my treat. Treat. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, they weren't going to cut that. They weren't going to take that entire scene over again. I Obviously mean, that's a not. Obviously <clears throat> not. We cut to the pool, which is surprisingly empty. Jimmy has a bag full of loose food, which I guess is his thing. This is now the second time we've seen him just slinging around a giant plastic bag full of random food. This is the episode of Ziploc bags, and it all starts here. Kelly follows him in and and remarks on, wow, the pool, and no one's here. And he's like, yeah, well, it's closed this afternoon, so the place is all theirs. So did they just, like, break in to Swan's Club? Obviously they did. Also, why is the pool closed on a work day? Like, if Callie and Jimmy are supposed to be at the Tool and Die working, why is the pool closed? I'm so confused. I don't know. It's all very strange. Uh, Callie says, well, I didn't bring my bathing suit. And Jimmy says, who needs bathing suits? The look on Callie's face as he walks past her is so good. And then he kind of realizes what he said. And he's like, no, we'll just like hang out and do nothing together. And she agrees to try doing nothing, which is not a thing she is used to. Yeah. They uh, they pull out the the lounge chairs, get, you know, get settled, get cozy, uh, start cloud gazing. Um, he, he's like pointing out shapes and she's like, that one's a serious cloud. That one's a cumulus cloud. And then she points at one that looks like a polar bear club and says, it reminds her of the one that she and her dad adopted in the Arctic Circle a few years ago. My God. Callie, is there nothing she hasn't done? She raised a fucking polar bear cub. (laughs) There's nothing your Callie can't do. They think some of the clouds look like a herd of wild horses running away from a cowboy with a lasso. And then there's some fairly awkward conversation about whether the horses will escape. Callie asks if he sees a way out. And he looks at her and suavely says, Maybe I don't want to. 
there's this like slick Seinfeld guitar riff as they smile at each other. It was like, <laughs> is the Sophia rift being mended? Uh, my notes say in all caps, they gonna make out. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're not. No one makes out in this show. Oh, do they? Hmm. No one, Libby, don't give me hope. <laughs> don't do this for me. Let me just tell you this. When it finally happens, you will not see it coming. And also it will be, it will make up for all your past frustrations about the lack of making out. It, it is spectacular. It better. <laughs> it does. It friggin' better. You can it's, take that to the bank. All right. When we come back from commercial, we're in Swans, where Jazz is once more the only person working. Wait, time out, time out. Is it going to be one of those things where I'm like, this is so horrendous that it's like, I wanted it, but not this, not like this. No, 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 no. It's amazing. <laughs> it is okay. so funny. It's one of the one of the best moments in the whole series, I think, because it's just the most soap opera it's like the convergence of all the soap opera tropes meet at this kiss and oh it's incredible I'm a, you're <laughs> kissing in a stacked two shot nobody's ever done it before <laughs> nobody can pull off a kiss in a stacked two. Oh god you're, you're gonna freak out when you see it it's just you're gonna just your head's gonna explode We're halfway through this damn show and no one has kissed and we still have a ways to go before we get to that episode oh too Okay. It's worth it, though. <laughs> it was all worth all it. Right, so well, Mila so. comes into Swans, and she tells Jazz she's waiting for a friend. And Jazz says, try the booth over there. It's Garrett Booth. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> oi, oi, oi. <laughs> Mila's there to treat Sandy to a soda. Garrett gets up, walks over. He has tricked Mila into coming here using Sandy. And my favorite thing about this, <laughs> there's so many things. He walks over. Set, explains that he tricked her. She gets upset. He sits down at a different table than the table he has already occupied, which if you've ever been a server is possibly the most irritating thing that someone could do. Yeah. And then she's like, I don't have anything to talk to you about. And she sits down. <laughs> he tells her, oh, come on, he's changed. She's like, no, you haven't because you used Sydney and then you used me and now you used Sandy. And Garrett protests only to get to you. I know. I know. It's so good. Weird flax, Garrett, but okay. Yeah. Mila says, you didn't hurt me because you didn't mean anything to me. Not now, not ever. She storms out in her super cute little outfit. And Garrett seems perturbed. And then Jazz comes over to rub salt in the wound, saying, you'd have to be unconscious not to get that message. Ha <laughs> ha, Jazz, good one. <laughs> Just like, fuck you, Garrett. Garrett, Garrett goes out with a, uh, a uh, an exit line of, I've got a little message of my own. And there's this ominous stinger as Jazz, Jazz turns around and sighs as she contemplates the stupidity of this of these children. Two things quick about Jazz. Number one, her hair is super cute this episode. It is very cute. Yeah, it's like a little shorter or something. I don't know what's going on, but it's super cute. And secondly, she has a giant sunflower tie clip. She's always got something wacky with her tie. Either the tie itself is wacky or she has like tie flair. It's it's very good. It's very good. Thank you, Jazz. Thank you for your service. We salute you, Jazz. Oh, we should see if we can find the actor who played Jazz and get her to come on and talk to us. I would go nuts over that. Oh, that would be so good. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put this on my list of things to do. Okay. Ask her, ask her what really happened during that dance with Eddie Robinson. Oh, my God. We cut back to Jimmy and Callie. They start eating lunch out of Jimmy's bag of random food. 
it's all mixed up together, not like wrapped up or anything. He pulls out sliced papaya, oranges, strawberries, which one of which he puts into Callie's mouth. It's basically a big wet fruit salad in a gallon Ziploc bag. And then what happens? Until maybe? it's a big wet fruit salad in a gallon Ziploc bag until out comes a crab leg. A crab leg. Bunch of fruit just sloshing around together being all fruity. Mixing its juices with each other, fine. Fruit does that. And then a fucking crab claw. <laughs> it's fine. Fruit does that. <laughs> Maybe that's the title for this episode. We'll see. It's fine. Fruit does that. Or fruit, fruit, mixes, does fruit that. mixes all its juices together. Both are good. Kelly asks if there's any melted butter. There's not. And she says good because she hates melted butter. Melted butter is the whole point of eating crab legs. 100%. Now I really want some Dungeness crab. I think I'm going to go down to that little uh, fishmonger market down in the the marina today. Get me some crab and I'm going to make Dungeness crab pasta for dinner. That sounds fantastic. You should yeah, you guys, you guys want to come over and have some? <laughs> I, I would love to, but I am I am slammed for like a week and a half. Damn. Um, you people with real jobs. I, Boo. Uh, anyway, <laughs> so apparently he shoved all this stuff into the bag from the restaurant kitchen. And we very quickly leave this subject and they get back to looking at the clouds. Uh, one of them resembles puppies in the sky and it reminds Jimmy of himself and his four brothers trying to get out of the house at the same time. Apparently, Jimmy is the youngest of the siblings. And he, they kind of talk about their families and histories a little bit, a sort of general getting to know each other thing. And then Jimmy casually mentions he wishes he was an only child like Callie. And Callie blows up at him. It is so intense. Yeah, it, it is the full focused Stacy Mosley intensity just boring down into Jimmy's brain. She's like, how do you know I'm an only child? And he's like, whoa, dude, like, wh- what did I say? And again, we never find this out in season one, but in season two, in the, the season two we tragically never got. Yeah, Callie it's tragedy. It's man. tragedy that there's not another 65 episodes of this. It is. <laughs> Callie was supposed to have an evil sister, remember, who's half Asian. Oh. So I guess this scene would have been like the, the writers kind of setting up that storyline that was going to come about in season two with the evil sister oh who showed gosh. up in Swan's Crossing. God, I... Oh, I wish we had that. I'm so mad. Ah. You and I feel very differently about this. Um, <laughs> so they uh, they settle back into the chairs after this, after she calms down a little bit and uh, start looking at the clouds again. And then we cut to Garrett at the hole in no man's land. Yes, uh, it, it looks like it's night because it's very dark, but the birds are still singing. So I guess it's just really shady or something. Well, I don't know. And there's also we're either we're about to get so, either another Sandy scream or a hawk screech, whichever that is. Let's listen to it again right here. <laughs> Garrett, Garrett takes a folded note out of his pocket, leaves it in the hole for the wall to Sydney to find, and he walks away, rubbing his hands together in evil glee, and immediately Sydney comes up on her side of the wall, finds the note, and reads it. What does it say? Did you write this down? Uh, I've, I couldn't get all of it. I've got, you've got until the benefit tomorrow. And then one final word, Nudebronk. <laughs> 
I don't know if was was Garrett calling her a nudibronch? Like, you got until the benefit tomorrow, nudibronch, or what? <laughs> or the benefit tomorrow. It's the nudibronch one. In parentheses, nudibronch. She <laughs> shows up at the correct benefit. He forgot he forgot to mention before the word like he wrote out the benefit and realized it should have been the nudibronch benefit. And then in parentheses afterwards, like the nudibronch one. That's <laughs> Parenthetical nudibronchs. Oh boy. Sydney rips the note up and puts it back in the spot for Garrett to find later. And then we see the baldy, still covered in his camouflage of bi- vines and birds' nests, looking through a magnifying glass so his eyes look all huge. The magnifying glass is humongous. It's so good. Such a it's great prop. And they really linger on that shot, too, with him like switching it from eye to eye back and forth several times. Yeah. He, he finds the fragments of the torn note, reads the word Nudibranch on them, gets some tweezers out, tweezes pay the, the torn fragments into another Zivok, probably to mix in with his fruit juices, and then he tries to seal the Ziploc 30 times. It's another lingering shot of his many attempts to close this bag. Like, utter ineptitude in trying to close a Ziploc bag. Now, to be fair, the Ziploc bags in the 90s were much more difficult to close. Yes, especially if you had latex gloves on at the time. I'm sure that didn't help. Zip, Ziploc technology has come a long way since the <laughs> 90s. It has. Uh, he starts to freak out a little bit, but the, the bird sound happens above him again, or Sandy screaming. We're still not sure. Let's wait um, one more time. That that sound. <laughs> so he takes the tools of his nefarious trade and he flees. And we see the credits as the weird bird sound slash Sandy screaming happens again and again and again. Oh like this. Oh, what a good episode. I loved it so much. <laughs> okay. Who was our psychopath of the week? Uh oh, that's a good question. Um, I actually I actually think Callie's making a play for it this week. Yeah, I have to say, Callie was really super weird and suspicious, and um I think this is her first time on the board with Psychopath of the Week. I'm not hundred percent sure. But I mean everybody everybody's gonna I'm I'm interested to see at the end of this series if everybody else together matches the number of times that Garrett is psychopath of the week. Oh man, that'll be fascinating to find out. Is anyone not going to end up? I think Katie might be the only person who's not psychopath of the week at least once. Yeah, probably. Yeah. That seems accurate. What is our swan count? Three new fake swans, all of them in the pool uh, area. So we're up to four imaginary swans, 24 actual swans, and 93 other swans. Wow, it's yeah. a lot of swans. Yeah, we're we're, right. we're just cruising along in the swan count. Ooh, I'm going to mute and you go ahead and hit me with your predictions. Okay, we got nothing from JT, Glory, and, uh, and Neil this time. So I think a lot of next episode is going to focus on the Baldy trying to get the, uh, get the poetry notebooks from... Glory, 
And I think Glory's probably going to spend some time studying that physics book that she got from Mr. Han in the library. If that ever comes back ever, it probably won't. And Sandy is not going to, we're not going to see a lot of Sandy the next episode because it's, it's going to be a getting ready for the benefit episode. Oh no, we will see Sandy. She's going to be helping Sydney pick out an outfit because that's what Sandy does. So San- Sydney is going to desperately need Sandy there so that Sydney can make Sandy feel bad while Sydney picks out an outfit. Uh, we are going to get a conversation with Mila and Billy about whether either either there is a conversation with Bila- Billy and Mila about whether or not he's willing to go with her to the benefit or we get nothing of Mila this next episode and she and, and Billy show up at the benefit together on the Friday episode. Garrett is going to spend some time reveling in his evil plot to release the birth certificate, which I think still never gets released. And Callie and Jimmy head back to the tool and die to get their bikes and discover it is unlocked now but empty. Barrick is not there. Barrick does not appear in the next episode. That's what I think. Okay, well, well, we are all set up for next week. It's going to be a great episode as we lead up to the big Friday event episode. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm stoked. I'm stoked to see what happens and to see how these predictions pan out. Me too. Thank you to Richard Winsler and Steve Lane for the use of our theme song, Gotta Grow Up Sometime from the hit show Swan Crossing. And if you want to find us on social media, we're on Twitter at Gotta Grow Up Pod and on Instagram at Swan's Cross Pod. And until we meet again, as they say in this barbaric country... Bye-bye. End of inflammation. As they say in this barbaric country, bye-bye.